into 10 o'clock as we prepare to wrap it up. Now, normally I talk to Dion Chang and we're often talking about, you know, fashion trends. We, we're talking about social trends and cultural trends. Um, but today I thought I should talk to his partner in crime out at uh, Flux Trends. Bronwyn Williams joins me on the line. Good morning to you, Bronwyn. Good morning. Thanks for inviting us back. It's only but a pleasure. All right, so we just had this conversation that I don't know if it left me more clear or a little bit more confused, but I got some great advice <laughs> in terms of metaverses earlier on. Um, and now I think you're the perfect person to just wrap it up for us uh, as we wind down the show. Um, and just looking at some of the trends within this particular space um, and what are the things that we should be looking out for going into 2022 when we're talking, you know, 4IR, cryptocurrencies, metaverses and, and that sort of world. <laughs> Absolutely. Aren't all the acronyms just too terrible because oh. they add more confusion <laughs> and, and enlightenment to any of these conversations. 4IR, Web3, metaverse, it's just a continual barrage of of words and terminology that mean very different things to different people. Yeah. I think that that's largely because the, the words are chosen to confuse because that, of course, allows us us in the consulting game, and I do speak from our own <laughs> profession, more mystery with which to you know replace with, with margin and profit opportunities. But I think it's important to have these conversations to demystify and to get rid of the, the vagary yes. so that more of us can be included in the conversations as to what's really going on. I think it is important to note that anything we talk about, particularly with regards to things like the metaverse, it's not a one new switch that's being turned on at all. Rather, we're talking about a gradual evolution of technology mm. and of our integration with technology as human beings. Mm. And what has changed over the last couple of years, we've seen quite a big acceleration of us spending more multi-sensory time in mm. digital online environments. And that's really what we talk about when we talk about the metaverse. We're talking about connecting to people and mm. to machines and to places online through digital connections, but in a more multi-sensory way. So yeah. we're talking about not just sort of seeing text on a web screen. It's becoming more and more immersive. Mm. And it is a gradient. There's not as a set of switch that says, oh, no, this is, this is web two and this is web three. That's not the way it works. Rather, yeah. it's a gradual progression into us spending more time in these places but also where it gets quite interesting is having more of a stake in them as we go on. Mm. So when the internet started sort of back, oh, we're talking like almost sort of 60, 70 years now, right? Time has, time has moved on quite fast. Mm. It was just between like university computers. So people like yourself and myself would have been entirely excluded from that ability to connect digitally mm. with people across space and time. But as time has gone on, we've been able to engage with that more and more as individuals. So the sort of next sort of phase is the era of personal computing, which kind of took place in the sort of 80s and 90s. Mm. And thereafter, we started getting into social media, which allowed us not just to connect to each other using mm. digital technologies, but also to start broadcasting too. So to become creators rather than just consumers of digital content. Mm. And now as we go further on, we're just being able to not just become creators of content, we're also being able to sort of own a stake in the direction of things going forward. And this is where we at right now is a sort of convergence of multi-sensory multi digital technologies. So in other words, much more immersive, augmented and virtual reality, mm. but also layering on the sort of stake-based internet. And that's where augmented and virtual reality start to collide with the worlds of cryptocurrencies and blockchains that allow for the sort of ownership economy to take, 
take us forward. Mm. And that, of course, is a very double-edged sword too, which we can get into, because what we're really talking about is a sort of a tipping point in the evolution of our digital journey. Mm. Whereas Web 2, if we want to use those dreadful phases, was about creating digital abundance, because that's what the internet and social media allowed us to do, right? Mm. It allowed us to distribute and to copy an article or a blog post countless times across the, the multiverse, if you want mm. to put it that way, at a very, very low cost. So Web 2 is about almost sort of democratizing access to information and about creating digital abundance. Mm. Web 3, if you want to oversimplify it, what's really changing now is more about the creation of artificial scarcity mm. out of that digital abundance. And that is good in terms of it allows us to re-monetize or allows creators to own more of the, the rewards of their own content. But it also has a flip side, which is that we are now artificially limiting access to information. Mm. And in third world countries and developing countries and spaces where we have large income differentials, we should be concerned about that. Because mm. what it really means is that a, a monetized and more commoditized and artificially scarce metaverse Mm. is also putting up financial boundaries, whereas the last phase of the internet is actually about breaking those down. Gotcha. So a very interesting place is going to set us up for very different new winners and losers, yeah. and very new business models, and also new opportunities and new costs for I've... individual consumers and workers. Oh, I got you. And you know what? I'm all for oversimplification, so I appreciate that. I think I have a better clarity of mind now as we wrap things up. And just in our final uh, minute and a half, Bronwyn, uh, if you can just give us a quick synopsis on what are some of the, the maybe the, the top trend that we should be looking out for as we engage more in the space. Okay, so the one that sort of ties together a lot of what we've been speaking about is the emergence of play to earn, okay. that economy. And this is where we're starting to see a kind of emerging once again of the boundaries between what is a game and what is work, mm. and really getting us to question what work is going into the future. And we saw this with the phenomenal rise of the Axie Infinity game that took off during global lockdown over mm. the last sort of 12 months, where we started seeing people in quite poor nations being able to earn more than the minimum wages in their actual real-world economy mm. by playing and grinding through games, breeding these little digital monsters in a gaming environment. Okay. And Axie Infinity is quite like a low-res sort of game. It's not a particularly high-strategy game at all. But what it was, it started to allow people to actually earn real money from digital assets. And it brought together the, the sort of massive sort of explosion of things like NFTs and mm. digital assets with this new concept of playing to work and also that concept that I was speaking about, about artificial scarcity. Mm. So we pull all those things together. On the one hand, we've got new opportunities for people to earn a living, to feed their families, and that should be celebrated. Mm. But on the other hand, we are kind of trapping people into, pardon my French, you know, like how they sort of talk about those, those bullshit jobs. Yeah. Like, in other words, having to do meaningless activities in order to participate in the economy. Yeah. So that's a very interesting question that we're going to see coming forward, the sort of ethics of sort of makeshift, almost job guarantee programs mm. that are being developed by both the, the public sector and the private sector, just of like grinding through meaningless tasks in order to participate in our capitalist economy. And what are the ethics of that going forward? What mm. does that mean for the value of human time and human life? 
and in a broader sense, the, the sort of meaning of life, because work previously has been about meaning and about creating value and participating yeah. and enriching the lives of those around us. When work becomes a sort of a much more cynical, sort of grinding opportunity, even if we are all able to earn a living, which is, as I said, a good thing, yeah. what does that say about our societies when work becomes sort of meaningless? Hmm. It's a very interesting place to be in. It is indeed a very interesting place, and it takes me back uh, to a conversation that I think was sparked uh, about four or five years ago at a South by Southwest uh, gathering when they said, who runs who uh, as we move into the future? Androids or rather algorithms or us? And I think uh, we are fast approaching that that time when the algorithms have taken over and our world is completely and solely reliant on them. And I guess we might as well just immerse ourselves and drive straight into it. But as our previous guest said earlier on, with caution and enough information. There's a lot of room for success, but there's also a lot of room for failure. Uh, Bronwyn, thank Thank you so much. We'll definitely engage more with Flux Trends as the year continues to unfold and as we grapple with our minds and try to get um, a good grip on what metaverse and all of these digital platforms and spaces mean for us today and going into the future. From myself and uh, my team, thank you so much for rocking with me this morning. Uh, we are going to get out of your way now and leave you in the capable.